Hi, I'm Amber. And hi, I'm Brenda. And this is the Minority Millennial Money Podcast. Welcome back to another episode of Minority Millennial Money. Today, we're going to talk about FIRE and dig a little deeper into what it is and the ways in which people are pursuing it, because uh, in the FIRE community, there are different types of FIRE. And then we're also going to talk a little bit about investing, because we've had some listener feedback that uh, has been along the lines of thinking that investing is gambling. So we'll touch on that a little bit as well. How are you, Amber? I'm good. Yeah, I'm happy to to talk fire. I think it has a lot of um, maybe negative connotation to some people who don't know what it is. So I think it's a good topic. So when was the first time you heard about it? I don't know. Like, I think I was probably Googling something or on Reddit. And I was like, probably Googling, like, you know, what to do when you have money or <laughs> like that, because that's like me. I just like Google random things. Um, and I came across like financial independence and then I came and then I came across fire financial independence retire early for those who don't know. And even now I'm still learning new stuff. Like a few months ago, I was like, Brenda, like, have you heard of fat fire? And you were like, yeah, it's like retiring with like a ton of money. And I was like, what? Yeah. <laughs> so I actually heard about it first through a podcast called Stacking Benjamins. And I remember starting to listen to that back in 2016, and they actually address a lot of the similar topics that we do, but they were talking about, you know, being able to be independent of a job. And I was like, oh, I had never considered that you could do that, you know, or to even have the option because, I mean, my parents are still working, at least my dad is, you know, in his 60s and I hadn't really met a lot of people who planned to actually actively planned to stop working before the government says that you should stop working. Mm. Right. And so, so you mentioned fat fire, uh, which would be the loose interpretation would be that you enjoy a very luxurious lifestyle and therefore with most likely a higher income you are saving a lot more so that instead of living on 30 to 40 K, which is not very much depending on where you live a year, you're actually living on a hundred or 150 K a year, which sounds really great. It just sounds like it would take a lot longer to get there. Right. Right. So I think it depends on what you want to do. And by the way, I know I've seen a lot of tweets on this too. Like just because you are financially independent does not mean that you necessarily have to stop working at all. Oh, that's a good point. So a lot of people, I know I've mentioned fire to people like some of my friends and they're like, one of the main things they say is one, no, because I want to live life. And which mm. is really an, an annoying comment. And then the second is um, like, they are like, what, like, what am I going to do after I retire? And so it doesn't mean that you don't have to work at all. It just means that you're financially independent. So you can do what you want to do. So right. If that's getting a waitressing job in Hawaii, or if it's, you know, going to teach elementary school kids 
something or, you know, something, whatever you want to do, whatever you see your life, that's traveling six months out of the year and then working six months out of the year. That could be what retirement looks like to you. So I just want to put that out there. That's a good point. And on the opposite extreme, there's lean fire, right? For some people, like I know I'm thinking of one person in particular on Twitter who retired on 500,000. Yeah. But that's because she has built a lifestyle that she only needs about $20,000 a year. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's normal for her. That's her norm, right? So that's sustainable for her. Could I live on 20000 a year? I don't think I've done that since I was a freshman in college. Um, but for some people, that's an option and they'd rather get out of the workforce sooner mm-hmm. and spend less in their retirement. So, I mean, I can respect that, but for example, there's some other terms like coast fi, like slow fi, and those are more about the way in which you get to it, right? Like mm-hmm. coast fi, I feel like I'm a little bit of that because everything's already automated, right? Like everything is set up. And I think the way that I'm investing, I should be able to be financially independent by the time I'm like 45. So in the next 15 years, mm-hmm. so I'm kind of just coasting, right? I think we're both kind of along those lines. Um, I like go back and forth <laughs> a lot of like what I want to do and how much money I want to put in the market. I mean, right now I'm just see, see, sinking every single thing I can into the market because I want to see like how early I can retire. Like mm. so at first I was like, oh, I'll do 60. And then I was like 55. Then I have a hard day at work and I'm like 50. And then I put some <laughs> more money in the market. I'm like, oh, let's see if we can get 45. <laughs> I mean, for me, like, it's really important. So like, I started working when I was 15 years old and I've had a job mm-hmm. every, ever since. So I'm almost 31 and I've been in the workforce for 15 years already. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that like, you know, for most people when they are in their thirties, they have not been working for 15 years. And so mm-hmm. they have a lot left in them, <laughs> you know? Right. So right. And we both. We both worked through school, undergrad and graduate school. So those years count as well. Um, and everybody has their own way to get there, right? And like you said, like re- early retirement doesn't necessarily mean like you are completely out of the workforce and you never lift another finger for a dollar. That's not the case. Like for me, I know I won't be able to do that. Like I will ghost or crazy because I'll have nothing to do. Right. But the flexibility of being able to choose the job and not have to worry about the salary and not have to worry that what I'm passionate about isn't going to pay my bills. Like that's the real reward. Right. For sure. Right. And I think, so it depends on what your lifestyle, what you want your lifestyle to be to in retirement, what you were saying about lean by. Um, I saw a tweet recently where someone was like, what? I'm not living like a college student for retirement. Right. Like, I think I saw that too. It's just like, that's a good point. Like, so some people are okay with like, you know, kind of like living a more like, I don't know, camping type retirement mm-hmm. lifestyle. Um, and then others, I know for me, like I want to do fat five. <laughs> oh, you're sure now. Okay. Fat five. I mean, realistically, I probably won't. Cause I just, <laughs> but I can't imagine living you- $20,000 though. That's so low. 
No, no. I think somewhere in the middle, like for me, my number is set up so that I can spend 60 a year. And I think that that's reasonable for me if I'm single, like ideally I'll have a partner who can like help subsidize some of my expenses in the future. <laughs> right. Okay. So let's pivot a little bit to investing. I, I, before we started recording, I told you that someone who listened to our podcast said, so I heard you talk about 401ks and how it's actually putting money in the stock market. And I got kind of worried because like, I don't want to gamble. So what would you say to that? That's like super frustrating because, and sad because, um, you know, the stock market is not gambling at, at all. And in fact, there's a lot of very wealthy people who make money off the stock market or a lot of very, I guess, in the know people who are in the know, people who are privileged, who use the stock market. I mean, if there's parents who invest money for their kids every single birthday, you know, from the time they're born, and then when they're 18 or 21, they have millions of dollars. And it's usually people of color. Well, I shouldn't say that. I don't know who it is. For me, the people I talk to are usually people of color who come to me and they're saying like, oh, well, what if I put money in and I lose it all? And I used to think a little bit, maybe not to that extreme, but I used to wonder about the volatility of the market, but like, that's just not how it works. Like literally every, everyone can invest and everyone can get rich off the stock market. And if you put money in over a number of years, you will get a high return. We've talked about this before on the podcast where I think I looked it up and the average stock market return is 10% or whatever. And we talked about how I made 19% last year on the stock market. And I'm sure there's more to be made in the stock market, depending on how aggressive you are. Um, But yeah, I mean, you can make tons of money on the stock market. So I don't know. That's, that's my, that's my spiel. Yeah. The way I kind of explained it to him was like, so what you're doing is you're buying a little bit, a little piece of a company or of several companies. And over time, most of those companies will grow and so will your money because the value of that tiny little piece that you bought is going to go up just like the rest of the company some companies may go bankrupt and you lose that little piece that you bought right right? but as long as you're not putting all your money in one stock right which means you're just buying out of one company then all your eggs are not in one basket and yeah like in that sense you do run the risk of losing money but For those of us that are investing for the long haul, we, like you and I, in our early thirties, we have so much time to make up any loss. Yeah. Right. So I think that is something that people who are not familiar with investing need to look at in the long run. And like lately I've been hearing a lot about Bitcoin and like cryptocurrency and how it's going to be worth so much in one year, three years, five years. And like, I play around with some some money in Bitcoin, but like, that's not my main investment strategy. Like I'm, I don't have that much disposable income to like put, have like a definite investment strategy in, in Bitcoin. But like, I respect people who are willing to take that risk. Right. But it all goes back to our risk tolerance and how like, I'm very happy to be aggressive in the stock market in index funds. But like crypto is kind of where I draw the line. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I my main issue with people is that like, I think that people want fast cash, right? They want to get rich, quick scheme. They want to do a multi-level marketing company. They want to do something. They want to crack cards, as people in my old neighborhood would say. 
they want to steal money or they want to get money fast. And it's just like, that's not Mm -hmm. how it works. People who are wealthy, like truly wealthy, we're talking about old money. They've been in the game for a long time. And that's how you make a lot of money. You pass it to the next generation. You, you You can't just go get money. And I feel like maybe that's my issue with real estate like we talked about in the real estate episode like people want to like they see these flipper flop shows on mm-hmm. you know the home channels and they're like yeah I want to flip it fast cash like a month and I want to get this money it's just like you're not going to realistically make a lot of money doing that like how you make a lot of money is putting it in the market over time for a, lo- a long time until you have a lot of money and if you don't have that type of patience um you know then then you might not make a lot of money right and, and some people are on the fire path are strictly real estate investors. And like, that's almost their side job. Right. And yeah. I know some podcasters are like financially independent just from real estate. And then there are people who are only in the market. Like I remember I went to camp Fi last year, 20, early 2020 before the pandemic started. And like, I met a guy there who was a lawyer and had just saved aggressively, like most of his income for about 10 years. And he retired at like 35, right? And it was all in the market. He's never owned a piece of real estate. And like now he lives in a tiny apartment in New York City and like just enjoys New York City because he doesn't have to work. But um, but that was his strategy was like market only. And then some people are doing the real estate thing um, and then people like me are doing a little bit of both. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right. What is but, Camp Fi for people who don't know? Camp Fi is uh, like a weekend experience and they have several all over the country. They're, there's like four or five. I went to the Southeast one in, in Florida and you get together over the weekend with similar, you know, like-minded people who are on this path. And there's like different speakers and they talk about what they do. So like the couple from Trip of a Lifestyle was there. There are a couple who like lived in Hawaii for six months as part of their retirement. Um, There are people who are doing real estate investing. There are people who um, are promoting like remote work so that you can geo-arbitrage, you know. Um, She wasn't there, but I do have a friend who has been in Mexico for three months because she has remote work. And so she's actually, she's not financially independent. She still works, but she's making her dollars stretch really far mm-hmm. by living in Mexico. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and then she also has rental properties. So you just get to meet people who are doing this and like learning how they're doing it and how their particular situation got them to that point right? Like I didn't plan to be a real estate investor or be a landlord, but here I am (laughs) and I'm, I'm managing it, you know, and like we talked about in the real estate episode, if, if it came to it, I would sell those properties and I would be fine. Right. Right. I would still be on the path. Definitely. I can see that. And geo arbitrage, I just want to say is like a hot thing right now with a lot of young professionals. I live in Hawaii right now and almost everyone here that's in their thirties are here because they are doing geo arbitrage. Like they're all working remotely from somewhere and they're just going from place to place to place. Um, And it's crazy. I mean, it's really interesting. Um, 
you know, I mean, in Hawaii, your dollars don't stretch that far. But I imagine if you moved to Mexico, I mean, was it like 20 pesos is $1 right now? Mm-hmm. So right. that's incredible. And I was talking to someone recently and he was like, I think I'm going to go live in another city before I have to go back to the office in the fall. I was like, yeah, you should consider a city in Mexico just because, you know, your money would stretch. And we were looking at Airbnbs in Mexico City and like for $400, you can get a decent Airbnb, like in the middle of a city for a month, you know? So why wouldn't you do that? Right, right. You wouldn't even, you wouldn't even have to like rent out your place back home. You could just make some space in your budget for like an extra Fifteen hundred to two thousand dollars to go spend a month in Mexico. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it is pretty cool. Um, especially now with the pandemic, like a lot of people's jobs have gone remote. So if you don't have a lot of bills, and this goes back to like our budgeting episode and talking about like getting real about your money, like if you have control over your financial situation, then you have the freedom. Right. To be able to do these things, right? Like all those people that you're meeting, because I know you told me about a couple of people that are in Hawaii because they can, like, I really doubt they're in a ton of debt. No. Right? No. They I've don't met, have a ton of liabilities. I met so many multimillionaires since I've been here. It's, in, it's incredible. It's insane how much money there is out there. Right. That's a good point. I think a lot of us too, like, especially not knowing what real wealth looks like or how it gets developed Mm -hmm. we by default have a scarcity mindset yeah right like I just have this little bit of money I'm like I need to hold on to it because they might lose it and instead we need to think money is so abundant and it will come to me and so I'm gonna take this chance Well, like I said before once we've talked about this on the episode like once you develop what skills are money makers you'll never be poor again. I mean, honestly, like, you know, once you get out of poverty and you're, you have skills that are marketable that people need, I could lose all my money literally today and tomorrow I could be on a path to get it back again. Right. Right. Because of your skill set. Yeah. And because like, I already know how to make money. I already know the game. I already know how to do it. Um, but I think that some people who are in like the poverty mindset think like, wow, I'll never come out of this because it does. Mm-hmm. It takes years. If you are born into poverty, it takes years for you to work mm-hmm. hard and really struggle to get out of it. And, mm-hmm. but once you're out of it, it, I mean, it's like, you, you don't have to turn back. You can coast. Mm-hmm. but most people don't want to put those years in because they're hard they're really hard they are they're really hard and you don't have a lot to fall back on yes right um so anyway that's a little bit about investing and why we invest for the different types of fire um if anyone has any questions or wants to reach out to us feel free to email us or dm us on instagram we're on youtube we're on twitter We basically live our lives on social media. (laughs) Too much. So thanks for listening, y'all.